0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your
1: first three orders while supplies last.
0: Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Welcome to the Rust Report on ESPN AM 1520. At the recommendation of a tremendous rainmaker and public relations and advertising executive, Mike Bellani, we have with us today an author, and the book is now available. It is called all in the story of Ron Zeller, who helped keep the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo and who named the downtown ballpark Ronald K. Zeller. And I'll tell you a little bit more about Ron Zeller. He's a native of Buffalo, New York. He was the founder and chief executive officer of North American Health Plans. From startup, the company known in West New York as North America grew over a 20 two-year period to 700 employees, eight offices, and $50 million in revenue. Author Ronald K. Zeller with us today on the Rust Report on ESPN AM 1520. Let's first talk about this book, Ron Zeller. What is it all about? What are you trying to communicate? Well, when I
2: started, it was going to be kind of a legacy for the kids, a memoir is going back to the 50s and 60s, growing up in the Buffalo area. Uh, my affiliation was sports especially, because I've always been very sports oriented. But as I got into it, having grown a company very uh, very well for over 22 years, I thought there'd be some business mentoring items I could put in, but quickly into the project that lasted a year and a half, the, our involvement, uh, the naming rights to the ballpark and how, what goes on when that happens, uh, in this case with the city of Buffalo, Uh, bringing up the Cleveland Browns dog pound in 1995 and then being vice chairman of business backs the bills and all the things that went on behind the scenes to keep the bills in town that most of the community was is not aware of there was no way they would be unless somebody publicized it I thought there'd be some interesting community service events that happened that uh, I could communicate and that's it evolved into more, more community stuff than anything. Now, if somebody is
1: listening in Buffalo or Toronto or Manhattan or Washington, D.C., and they want to get a copy of All In, maybe they have Buffalo roots, they're interested in sports, where can people buy this book? How can people purchase it? Uh,
2: In Buffalo, there are several retail outlets, uh, Talking Leaves, Birchfield Penny Arts Center, Buffalo History Museum. Um, The easiest way, especially for people out of town, is to go on a website that uh, it, it's at www.azeros1.com. That's A-Z-E-R-O-S-1.com, and they can purchase it right online. It's the easiest way to to get a book. Okay. Why don't you repeat
0: that site again where people can go to to buy this, if you could spell it out,
2: sure. please. A-Z-E-R-O-S-1.com. And you can. it's a very uh, s- simple website to, to make that o- order, and it will be uh, delivered to your uh, your address. Now, in this book, uh,
1: there's a lot of concentration of inspirational quotes from uh, business, military, and sports leaders. Uh, who are the people who inspired you?
2: There wasn't one in particular. I spent dozens of hours on the internet pulling out quotes from military leaders, philosophers back to the old days of Greece, uh, current people in, uh, uh, in Hollywood, uh, political leaders. and So it, it was from all uh, the gamut. There wasn't any one uh, leader uh, despite their discipline that was of more influence than others, but there's about 100 to 120 quotes in the book. And they were just the best I could find that are so applicable in today's environment, whether it's sports, business, or life. Um, so they're from, from uh, many decades or centuries.
1: Now, let's talk about um, being CEO of North American Health Plans. Um, What exactly did you create? What exactly was your
2: role there? Well, I'd had 13 years in uh, middle management with a national insurance company, Travelers Insurance. And so I knew health insurance claims and how to run a claim department. We started in 1983 what we called a third-party administrator a TPA to administer health plans for large employers and that's what our company did. We had clients in the Buffalo area like Fisher Price, uh, M&T Bank, Empire Bank before its demise, and Dunlop Tire, we did their disability plan. and So we had some, some well-known clients here. Out of area, we had clients like uh, Notre Dame, Dunkin' Donuts, uh, the American Hockey League. So we, we handled some large health plans for self-insured employers, or in the case of the American Hockey League, uh, th- that association, the Players Association. And that, so we did everything. We replaced the insurance company. We would uh, design the plan with the, the group. We would issue the ID cards, do the enrollment into our computer system, pay the claims, uh, handle the phone calls from the hospitals and doctors and, uh, and the members, uh, send out the checks to the doctors, uh, hospitals, and the dentists, because we had handled dental plans as well, mm-hmm. and then do the reporting at the end. We totally replaced the insurance company and and uh, started from scratch. and and build it uh, to a very large company uh, over 22 years. Now you sold this
0: company. I sold it in 2005. Was that a good move for you? Did it make sense for you?
2: It was an emotional move more than a rational move, quite frankly, at the time. Mm -hmm. We had new investors come in in 2004, and I became a minority shareholder for the first time, and I wasn't necessarily seeing eye to eye with the chairman of the board and I decided to sell out uh, within a year mm-hmm. so it, it, it probably wasn't a good economic move but I wasn't really running my own company anymore and I felt that's that's what I have to do so
0: your company was a private company and you went public no we, we didn't go public but we
2: got institutional investors in that had majority control
1: and that's a tough thing, isn't it? When you know you you're in control for what twenty years, and all of a sudden you're not in control. Isn't that a, a tough thing? It it is psychologically tough psychologically
2: when you're not I, the boss. It is. But I brought in institutional investors the first time in 1995, nine years before. But I still had majority control. I mean, they had blocking rights on a lot of things, so I knew how to work with outside investors, and I actually had good relationship with them. But this new set, it was a the dynamics were different and. I just didn't want to continue to be number two or less in the organization. Now, if you had to do it all over again,
1: Ron Zeller, would you have kept this a private company and not be put in the position where you became a minority stockholder?
2: Yes, but it isn't quite so simple as that. In the mid-'90s, when I got the first set of investors to capitalize the HMO that was known in Buffalo as North America, you know, when we got the naming rights to the ballpark, Mm -hmm. I needed, we knew that we couldn't, we were gonna have to have a lot of small groups. I was gonna have to have an insurance license and capital to do that, where my uh, legacy company didn't just administer large health plans where the employer took all the risk. I needed a small group product to have enough lives to get good contracts with the hospitals and and the doctors. So it wasn't quite as simple as not raising capital or raising capital. I, the the first move, once I got in and got outside capital, I was really kind of, uh, I'd already started down that slippery slope. So the, the second move was to take out the first investors. And, but it, it, it I don't really, you know, when you have a personality that wants to grow something, if I just stayed, you know, lay, been laid back and just let the company grow, economically I would have done much, much better than I ever did, than been raising solid. any capital. Yeah, even raising yeah. capital the first time in the in the mid-90s. Um, but I wouldn't tell somebody not to raise capital because I did see the industry. Looking back 10 years later, I saw the industry went exactly where I thought it would, and my core company would have been very much at risk if I hadn't raised the capital anyway. For those
1: who just tuned in to the Rust Report, our guest today is the author of All In, the story of Ron Zeller, who helped keep the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo and who named the downtown ballpark. And this is available if you go to www.azeros1.com. And that's www.azeros1.com. You can buy this book. It's available in bookstores at the Buffalo History Museum, Birchfield Penny Art Center, Buffalo and Erie County Naval and Military Park, Naval Park Cove, Ilio DiPaolo's Restaurant, Talking Leaves Books. So we encourage all of our listeners to get this book. Again, this guest, Ron Zeller, was recommended by Michael Balani to be on the Rusk Report on ESPN AM 1520. I'd like to thank those who've called regarding our guest, Larry Lehner, author of the new play, Rose, that is being broadcast um, in Boca Raton Florida it's been in Chicago and also in Washington DC also uh, thanks to those who called regarding our program in the Challenger Learning Center and author Charles Todd who's written 20 mystery novels coming up we'll have Brian Kolb who's running for governor of New York State Larry Milner author in Chicago and Chip Nalon active with sending packages for our troops A little uh, plug here, Western New Yorkers love their traditions, and the Ampol Legal has been writing about Polish-American traditions and events for over 50 years. News and features from a Polish-American perspective can be found in this weekly newspaper, as well as recipes and a calendar of events. Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading the Ampol Legal. The Ampo Legal is available in many Tops and Wegman stores. For home delivery, call 716 835 9454. That's 716 835 9454 to have the latest news from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each week. If you're listening in Buffalo or Washington or Northern Florida, drop us a note. Please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200. Buffalo, New York 14226. The station has received letters as far away as Scandinavia and New Zealand and we'd like to hear from you. A little bit more information about Ronald K. Zeller, the author of All In. He was instrumental in recognizing the possibility of the Buffalo Bills relocating to another city. As vice chairman of business, backs the Buffalo Bills in 98. He helped retain the National Football League team in his hometown of Buffalo new york he was living in florida and he moved back to buffalo in this cold cold weather let's talk about your role as vice chairman of business backs the bills and this is in 1998 let's talk about that ron zeller author of all in
2: well i was approached by some of the leaders in buffalo Uh, i was not you know one of those um you know, My company had grown from startup, but uh, they were putting together, unknown to me, a committee to keep the bills in town, coordinated with uh, the Buffalo-Niagara Partnership and Andrew Rudnick. Uh, they asked me to come to a breakfast at the Buffalo Club, which I did, and after, and they uh, were concerned that I had some other objectives than just keeping the bills in town. I, there had been nationwide publicity starting in the USA Today newspaper when I brought up the Cleveland Browns dog pound uh, in '95 and uh, Ralph Wilson and and some of the Bills' uh, management and some of the people in the community thought I might have another objective, to buy the team, which was crazy. Even back then, the value was $200 million. At any rate, they called me to a breakfast and asked me if I would not oppose this new committee that was being put together to sell all the suites and the club seats that the Bills were not able to to sell uh, literally about a year after the lease, a new lease was signed in 97. And at the end of this uh, breakfast, they not only did they ask me to join the committee, but they asked me to be vice chairman of it. Mm -hmm. I was uh, shocked, uh, to to put it mildly, and 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 that's how it started. Uh, All of the other members of the committee were, you know, presidents of the banks and leaders of the large organizations, uh, large organizations in Buffalo, and and I was, you know, from a startup company that had grown, admittedly. uh, Uh, very well. Back then we probably had 400 plus employees and, you know, 30 million in revenue or something. But uh, we were still a small company compared to all the other uh, CEOs in the room. And we started meeting uh, early June of 98 every Monday for six months except for Labor Day. And uh, uh, we, we compiled and shared lists of all the top companies or mid-sized companies in Buffalo that might be able to buy a suite. The first three months, all we did is talk about suites, not the 7,000 new club seats that were going to be built because there were over 70 unsold suites of the 160 that were going to be ready for the 99 season, Uh, but they weren't going to start them until enough suites were sold and that would uh, trigger the funding. So we we just, we all were on the phone uh, constantly week after week Calling company owners to see if they would buy a suite, um, and you know, sharing those names about who uh, who knew this person, who knew that person, and who could call. Them. I personally sold four suites by vendors that did business with me, mm-hmm. um, and everybody. You know, it was a, a team effort. Now you worked closely
1: with Ralph Wilson to keep.
2: Well, we worked the team with the here. Bills. Yes, we worked with the Bills. Okay. Ralph Wilson never attended a meeting. He knew he approved the project, of course. Uh, Jeff Lippman would come in every second or third meeting from Detroit, representing the Bills. When he wasn't there, Russ Branded it was only his second year in Buffalo. Uh, and of course, he's been you know president of the Bills for a while now. I don't know his new title with the Pagulas owning it, but he's still in a senior role. Um, but uh, Jeff Littman was really the decision maker on behalf of the Bills back then. Ralph was was not evident any key decisions like. A really important issue for us was that we wanted two companies to be able to both sign a contract for 50 percent of the lease obligation on the suite. Before 1998, One, if two companies wanted to share a suite, one would have to have the full legal obligation to the bills, and the second one would just, you know, write them a check every year for half the, you know, half the obligation. And and that was a disincentive for a lot of people to get involved with sweets because they have to you know, have the whole thing, even if they had a buddy that owned another company that would help them out. That took probably over a month for Jeff to get it approved by by uh, Ralph Wilson. So Ralph was you know certainly making key decisions for them, but he was not active in making phone calls or uh, with our committee. Now, do you think that
1: your efforts with as vice chairman of business backs the bills
2: was the reason they stayed? None of us on the committee knew what would happen if we run unsuccessful. The goal was to sell $11 million worth of inventory by December 1st of, of that year. And we were all worried. Not one person on the committee felt like, well, if we, don't, if we get close, we're okay, or this is just an idle threat. We all thought that uh, uh, Mr. Wilson was serious about moving the team if we did not have success in this project. But we, we, nobody knew for sure.
1: So you're talking at the time maybe 250 or 300 million dollar value of the team, and were there people actually willing to put an offer to get them out of here?
2: At that time, it, there was no active marketing of the team. I don't think Ralph was was. I'm sure he was not actively marketing. And I, I, anybody can send in a you know a letter you know with an offer. I don't think he was at that point. He was soliciting any. Any alternatives, we thought that he would not sell the team; that he would move the team Mm -hmm. to Houston or LA were the primary candidates. In fact, we had four months into it. Some of our committee were not pleased, but we Stan Lipsey, of the uh, the late editor of the Buffalo News, was on our committee, and Erky Kilborn, the chairman, and myself and some other committee members uh, worked it out with Stan that he would contribute a full page ad in the Sunday paper that said, in effect, said how does the Los Angeles Bills sound or the Houston Bills? It was very controversial. Yeah. But we were worried that those were two big markets that would accept a relocated team immediately. Mm-hmm.
1: We're learning a great deal from the author of All In, and his name is Ron Zeller. He's our guest today on ESPN AM 1520. He helped keep the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo, New York, and also was involved with the naming of the downtown ballpark, Ronald Zeller. Again, this book is available if you go online to www.azeros1.com. That's www.azeros1.com. You can purchase this book. It's $20 online, all in by Ron Zeller. If you're listening in Toronto, uh, South Buffalo, or Manhattan, drop us a note. Please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. We always greet cards from our Canadian and European listeners. Again, uh, Ron Zeller is a native of Buffalo, New York. He was the founder and chief executive officer of North American Health Plans from Startup the company, known in West New York as North America, grew over a 22-year period to 700 employees, 8 offices, and $50 million in revenue. Our guest today, Ron Zeller, author of All In. Let's talk a little bit about uh, this new HMO purchasing the naming rights for Buffalo's downtown baseball stadium when it was called North America Park. Was this exciting? Was this a thrilling thing
2: for you to have your company's name on the stadium? It really was. Uh, it was actually three months before we got our New York State HMO license. So we were telling people we were the first HMO in the country to name ourselves after a ballpark. We had the naming rights before the okay. the uh, name was approved. but I felt that you know with the three big health plans in Buffalo, with the big budgets they had, very large budgets, that if I that getting the naming rights, so we'd get our name out there throughout the eight counties uh, of Western New York, much faster than a, and, and much more effectively than a, a traditional uh, marketing and advertising budget. And 98% of the key decisions in our company were consensus decisions among management. That one, I have to say, was not. I, my top five management, other than myself, all re- did not want to spend that kind of money out of our uh, budget uh, for, for the naming rights, but I, was, I felt so strongly about it that I went ahead anyway and uh, and, it, uh, and uh, bid on it. Uh, we were not a named company in Buffalo, so it wasn't that easy. We had given our name to the Parks Department to get the request for a proposal, the RFP, when it was going out, and we ne- they never sent it, and I was watching TV one Sunday night, the 6 o'clock news, and found out it had been out for a couple weeks, and the bids were doing <laughs> within a week or two. So I scrambled and called the Parks Department. We got the RFP. We submitted our bid. We found out through some uh, friends in the city that, that the city we were told it was showing our numbers to other bidders that had a, a higher profile. So we gave the the city one day to get back to us. or we going to pull the bid? And ultimately we got the, we had the high bid and we got the naming rights in about four or five days after that formal, a formal go ahead. I uh, happened to be in Minneapolis when uh, the city asked me to keep it confidential. I was in Minneapolis on a pre-planned business trip mm-hmm. when <laughs> Everything hit the fan, as my assistant said to me on the phone when I called in from, from Minnesota. Uh, got back to town and it was all over the news and my people were saying no comment because nobody even knew what we did and we're asking what we do and is it true? And uh, that was on a Thursday and by Friday, I was meeting Friday morning, I met with the, the mayor and, and it went from there and, uh, and then the media, uh, Don Esmond and Sharon Liston from the news and. I had a pre-planned golf date, and Wes Goforth is trying to get a hold of me when I'm on the golf course on Friday afternoon. My wife actually drives to the access road to the fourth green of (laughs) the (laughs) the club (laughs) with a message, call Wes Goforth back at Channel 2. That's good. And It it was, but he didn't call me back, and I didn't have a cell phone. I had his, his, his Channel 2 line. And ultimately we got, it was kind of funny, we got rained out that afternoon on the 14th hole. So we go into the club and it's packed, you know, there's, it's three deep at the bar in the grill room at three o'clock in the afternoon or four o'clock. So we go down to the, the locker room where we could get, you know, take a few beers down there. And we're watching the 530 news and Wes Goforth comes on and says, Ron Zeller cannot be reached for comment. <laughs> we're <laughs> yeah, toasting yeah, our beers in, having the, a beer. in, in, the, in the grill room because, you know, he hadn't called me back. I tried, but I gave him my cell phone number, but uh, it was a, it was just a lot of interesting things. Uh, getting well, getting booed by twenty thousand people on Monday night, July third, when they changed the name. Uh, they had four of us on the, in these little chairs on the pitcher's mound. Uh, uh, Mayor Mazziello and Mike Bellani and myself and Bob Rich, and and, and they booed
0: you. Oh, they, oh they, mercilessly. <laughs> it well, was, why?
1: Why was that? Here, well,
0: here you're investing it, in the
1: team in the city. Well, of Buffalo. and we made that. They we should tra- have said thank you. Why we, were they booing?
2: We tried to make that point because we were offering, we bid three point three million dollars over thirteen years, which averaged two hundred fifty thousand plus a lot per of money year.
1: back then. It'd be like seven hundred thousand yeah. a year and now.
2: Pilot Air Freight was only paying fifty one thousand dollars per year, so it was much better for the city. But the name was long, and people never heard of the company because it was a, a startup HMO, even though the parent company had been around. And even the parent company didn't have a ton of clients in mm-hmm. Buffalo. So it was just back now people expect names to change a lot more so, I think, than they did back in uh, in uh, uh, 1995. It, uh, I met Bob Rich that night for the first time. He invited me to come down to his suite. So I'm chatting with Bob and Mindy, and Bob said, did you ever hear about us getting the naming rights to Rich Stadium in 1973? And I said, no, I was living in Syracuse, working in the middle management at the time. He said, you know, we tried to call – that Coffee Ridge Stadium, I said, Coffee Ridge Stadium, Bob. That's worse than North America Park, <laughs>
1: and we chuckled. Let's talk a little bit about the success of North American Health Plans. You worked on this company for twenty years. You built a company to fifty million dollars in uh, annual sales and hundreds of employees in Western New York State. Let's talk about the success story, Ron Zeller, author of All In.
2: Well, from the beginning, I didn't have any contacts. I'd never owned, I'd never done any corporate sales. hadn't done any sales since probably door-to-door as a kid, selling flower seeds and uh, subscriptions of the Chittawaga Times and cookies for Boy Scouts and stuff like that. Um, so, without a client, of course, you you don't ha- you don't have a business. That was I don't wouldn't say it was a surprise, but it was it just hard work, and uh, it took a year or two to. It to be, three or four years to be sure we were going to be successful. But we were, I was, I would like to say we, but it was a one-man show initially, and I was all over upstate New York, and finally, as I say in the book, one company phased drugs, a regional drugstore chain out of Syracuse was, I think I, I can say it now, they were dumb enough to say yes. <laughs> Good for you. Because <laughs> we had, now I had my second employee, and we're handling health claims for 1,500 employees and their dependents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... So then I was able to hire a third person, Um, but it was just, but I was doing a lot of reading. I always kind of been a voracious reader, especially in the industry. And these managed care techniques that were not known in upstate New York, uh, PPO networks, uh, hiring nurses to do utilization management. Back in the 80s, it was not unusual for a doctor to put you in the hospital on Friday for Monday morning surgery. In my own case, I had a hernia surgery. They wanted to put me in a day early to do pre-admission testing. And I, I resisted, and this is 1980, and uh, on a personal basis, I was insured by traveler's insurance where I worked at the time, and I couldn't figure out why they wanted to put me in a day early just to take my blood. But all that stuff went on back before managed care, and I'm not defending some parts of managed care, but right. so I was reading what was going on in other parts of the country, and so we were one of the, the even a small independent company, I was able to hire a nurse because I wanted to, start building provider networks and developing fee schedules with doctors and Buffalo and Jamestown and Syracuse. We we started building a provider network, and nobody was doing that independently back in 1986 and 87. Sorry we have
0: to
1: bring the Rust Report to a close. Our guest has been the author of All In, the story of Ron Zeller who helped keep the bills in Buffalo and who named the downtown ballpark. Again, if you want to buy this book, it's $20. Go to website wwwazeros one. Special thanks to Mike Bellani for recommending this program and Kevin Carr, our director of production for 15 years. Thank you for enlightening us. Author Ron Zeller. Have a great week.